we are going to camp out this morning in Acts chapter 3. And if you have your Bibles with us, you may wish to turn there. If not, some of the key verses will be just flashed up on the screen. But Acts 3 is what we will be looking at today. And uh, here in chapter 3, we read of a man who has been lame since birth. Imagine this. I know some of us have an illness, but for this man, his illness was that he could not even physically get up and go to the place to beg. He had to be carried out to the temple gate by others, and then placed down there so that people might ask, so that he might be able to ask people for money as they were passing by. Some of you know what it's like to walk down a busy street and to see the same person in the same location every day asking you for money. Or others of you, if you're driving your car, you know what it's like to get to a certain intersection and to be to see the same person. It's like it's that person's post where they're standing there or sitting there and they have a sign. And you know what the sign says, homeless and hungry, please help. But this man is placed at the gate just outside of the temple. God's on the move. God's on the move. In Acts chapter 2, the disciples were meeting within the temple gates, but near, now here is this man standing just outside of the temple gates, and God is at work in people's lives long before we start to talk to them. Don't forget that. The mission of God's people is outside the church. It's outside the gate. It's into the community. After all, the reason why we meet here is not because we want to be a holy huddle that always withdraws from the world, but we want to see ourselves here to remind ourselves that we are people who are on a mission reaching out to the community beyond us. For Peter and John, it was their custom to go to the temple to pray. And they passed by this man with his hand out. Their mission was more than going to the temple. I want you to notice the wording in verse 4. Chapter 3, verse 4. Peter looked straight at him. Peter looked straight at the lame man, as did John. And then Peter said, look at us. Now, what are Peter and John doing? Don't you know that you should never make eye contact with a street person who is asking for money? Don't you know that you're supposed to keep your head down and, and not look at that person as you're walking by? There's one street worker who said to me this. As I talked with him about reaching out and working with street people in the community, he said, even if you are not going to give them anything, would you please just look at them in the eyes? Would you please just acknowledge them as human beings as you walk by? Even that is a scary thing, isn't it? Because if you start looking at the person, they're going to start expecting something more from you. But sometimes I try that. I'm not always going to give something, but I want to maybe just look at the person and say, hello, how are they going to respond? But do you remember when Peter first met Jesus, 
Do you remember that story? The story is recorded in John 1.42. We don't need to turn there now because there's just one verse and we'll look at it. We read simply that Jesus looked at Peter. And with the gaze, Jesus said, Your name is Simon, but you will be called Peter. And I imagine that as Jesus was looking at Peter for the very first time, he saw something more in Peter than what other people saw in him. And that's what it is to look at people, isn't it? It's to see something else in them that others might not see. Do we look at people and say, "Uh uh-oh, there's another problem coming here. Oh, I don't want to talk with that person today. Oh, I wish they'd just look the other way. Or do we see what God sees? Do we look at people and see them as valuable? Do we see them as people to be loved? Do we see people that come our way as somebody that I need to bless and to offer a blessing to? Peter and John considered him someone with value. And Peter said in verse 6, chapter 3, verse 6, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. What I do have I give you. Think of that phrase. We are conduits of God's blessings. Peter and John are only able to give what has been given to them. It's the same with you, isn't it? You can only give what has been given to you already. What has God blessed you with? With some financial income? With gifts like teaching or administration or healing or compassion or encouragement or leadership? What has God given to you? We are only able to give to others what has been given to us already. I really love it how Paul puts it in 1 Corinthians 4-7 where Paul says, what do you have that you did not receive? As that little phrase right in the middle of that verse. But that's it. What do you have that you did not already receive? Think about it. You have nothing that you did not already receive from somebody else. Nothing. It's all given to you. So we're only the conduits. We receive the gifts and then we share the gifts with somebody else. So Peter says, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. So taking him by the right hand, he helped him up and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. And so he jumped up to his feet and he began to walk. Dr. Luke's language is not technical medical terminology, but it's a fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy of people seeing the glory of the Lord, Isaiah 35, people seeing the glory of the Lord where the lame will leap like a deer. The lame man was healed, not because he lived a really holy life. You know, it's not that 
you get this amazing blessings because look at how amazing I was. Look at all the great things that I did. This lame man was healed not because of all the great things that he did. It was not by the power of the disciples. It was not by positive thinking. It was not by good luck. But he is healed. Did you notice the little phrase? He is healed in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. It's Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him. Take a look. You, you see it in verse 6, and then you see it also in verse 16, Acts 3.16. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you can all, as you can all see. This phrase, in the name of Jesus has become a repeated phrase now in the book of Acts. In his name, the sick are healed, chapter 3. In his name, there is authority for preaching and teaching, Acts chapter 4 and 5. In his name, sins are forgiven, Acts chapter 10. And in his name, believers are ready to die for him. And all of these words in the book of Acts are a follow-up to what Jesus said in the Gospels when he said, and I will do whatever you ask for in my name. Do you remember the old Indiana Jones movie where Brody speaks about the Ark of the Covenant? And then he says this about the Ark. Do you remember when they're on the hunt for the Ark? And then he says, the Ark is a source of unspeakable power. Any army which carries the ark is invincible. Nonsense, isn't it? As if the power of God can be contained by having the right things or by saying the right names. Here's what we have to remember. The name of Jesus is not a little magic formula. It's not something that we just tack on at the end of the prayer so that we get everything that we want that we've said in the prayer. To think that if we repeat these magic words in the name of Jesus, all will be well. This is not magic. We need to have faith in his name. Jesus himself said in the Sermon on the Mount, he spoke to people who will say, Matthew 7, 22, he'll say, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? And then how does Jesus respond? I think it's with some of the most sombering, somber and challenging words of the New Testament where Jesus says, depart from me. I never knew you. Those are difficult words, aren't they? Those are hard words. They're also difficult words in chapter 3, verse 23, where Peter says, anyone who does not listen to him will be completely cut off. The message is clear. Don't use this name without seeking to live in his name. But when we act in Jesus' name, 
when we serve in Jesus' name, we are reminding ourselves that we are following the pattern of Jesus. We remember that He is the one who is able. When we pray in Jesus' name, we are declaring that we want to live in line with His character and His attitudes. That's what it means. In His name, I want to live just like that one I want to live just like Jesus. That's why I'm praying in his name. We are desiring the very things that Jesus would desire for people. So we're not desiring revenge, but we're desiring love and healing and blessing. When we ask for something in Jesus' name, we're lining ourselves up with the desires and attitudes of Jesus. So the Bible says, and whatever you do, Colossians 3, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. There is no gospel, there is no good news without the historical life of Jesus, without his teachings, without his death, his resurrection, and his return. Even though Jesus ascended into heaven in Acts chapter 1, we are still agents of Jesus carrying out his ministry, living life in his name. The rest of chapter 3 Beyond what we read, beyond, beyond what we heard in the scripture reading, Peter interprets the healing of the lame man. He interprets it now. He interprets the healing so that Christ is glorified. Peter directs his attention away from the healed cripple now to Jesus, the one who healed him. He appeals to the crowd to repent so that they might receive the promised blessings. It's interesting, after Peter heals one lame man, he doesn't start lining up a bunch of other lame people to heal them. The next thing he does is he preaches. It's true that the lame man was changed, but Peter speaks so that everyone might be changed. We are here today so that we might be living out our lives in Jesus' name not just by repeating magic words, but by letting our lives be changed. So I want you to notice how the sermon changes. Verses 19 to 21, if you have the scriptures open there, you can look at it. And we're going to unpackage that next part of healing. Where he starts by saying in, in verse 19, Repent and turn to God. And when we turn to him, there are three beautiful benefits for us. Three ways in which God wants to bring healing into your life and into my life right now. Where he wants to bring healing to us. Repent and turn to God. First, in verse 19, so that your sins may be wiped out. That's the first part of healing that Peter wants to speak about for us. It's the same word as God wiping away our tears. Don't you love that image? God wipes away your tears. He wants to wipe away your sins. There's a close connection between God forgiving our sins and God healing our diseases. I know what it's like to talk with those who can't imagine that God could ever forgive them. Have you ever talked with someone like that? 
Have you ever talked with people who say, God can forgive other people. I know that God could forgive that person for that bad thing that they've done. But for what I have done, for what I have done, there's not going to be forgiveness for that, is there? I know that there are people that struggle with that very thing, saying that maybe, maybe God will forgive others, but never could it be me. Repent and turn to God so that your sins might be wiped out. Hold on to that. This is for you. And then some of us think um, that God can forgive others, but not me. If that's you, I challenge you to stake your life on the promises of God. But I know what it's like also to talk with people who feel so hurt by other people that they don't know if they can ever forgive them. Maybe that's you as well. Mark Buchanan has this theory that the person that we like the least on earth will be our bunkmate in heaven. (laughs) But he doesn't think that God will do this as a prank. He suggests that he will do it so that we can laugh with that person for a few thousand years as our first bunkmate. And that we can laugh about how petty we've been and we'll rejoice that God makes us brothers and sisters too. Well, if this is a picture of how it might be, how much more do we need to invite the Spirit to help us now to live in that forgiveness? See, the Spirit is here right now. Repent so that your sins may be wiped out. That is going to change significantly relationships with everyone. That is the first benefit that is offered to us, to each one of us. Don't you love verse 19? Repent and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out. But don't leave verse 19 because there is another benefit that is to be found in that very same verse right there. And it's this, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. God wants to bring refreshment to you. You know that? That your life is not just a matter of hanging on barely hanging on until you get to heaven to find some blessing that God is going to give to you. He wants to bring times of refreshing to you right here and now. Now, you know this, the Christian life is not promised to be easy all the time and that the promise is not, oh yes, trust in Jesus and every moment is going to be easy, easy. But God promises there will be refreshing seasons, like plunging into a pool on a hot day. Jesus has told us that he has come to bring you an abundant life, and I'm captivated by that little phrase, times of refreshing that will come from the Lord. It's not just the lame man in the story that needs healing Where does God want to bring healing in your life? Because 
All of us need some kind of healing. All of us need some kind of refreshment. Are you ready to invite God to refresh you? And to say, Lord, I need a foretaste of what heaven is. And I believe that you're going to bring it to me here and now. Do we actually believe that he is going to show up and do that for us? This is the Christian life. Psalm 23, you know that, one of the best known Psalms. Psalm 23, verse 3, He leads me beside still waters. He restoreth my soul, or he refreshes my soul. Refreshment comes in strange places, doesn't it? You prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. As I was talking some time ago with a friend, we concluded that God gives a sense of his presence and his love, maybe especially in the hard times, the struggles. God wants to bring refreshment to you who are exhausted with life and where you feel like giving up. Listen to Jesus. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. I will give you rest. Some of us have been running so hard and our lives are filled with demands. And in this quiet moment, with our hands wide open, you can say, your refreshment is what I long for. It's the summer of the soul. It's the summer of the soul, and God wants to bring it to you to refresh you today. Are you ready to say to Jesus, your refreshment is what I long for, and I believe that you are going to bring those seasons of refreshment to me now and in this season. Healing. Faith in Jesus' name. There's a third blessing that's promised to us in Acts chapter 3. And as you look to verse 21 then, you'll discover that there is a future blessing. There is a future blessing as we wait in verse 21 until the time comes for God to restore all things. Isn't that beautiful? We're waiting for God to restore everything. But it's coming. Everything to be restored. Now, is that not a stunning promise? Everything? All things to be restored? This story, you know, the healing of the lame man, this story reminds us that, that Jesus is alive that Jesus is active in the world right now, today. Jesus heals people. We thank God for doctors, and we thank God for miraculous healing. Sometimes when I pray with with people, I, I simply will utter these words, Lord, we ask for healing in this person's life. We actually don't care whether it comes through the healing touch of a doctor or through a miraculous intervention, but we ask for your presence to be in this person's life right now and to bring your healing to this person. I believe in a God who heals. I am ready to pray for for those who seek healing. I believe in miracles, and I believe also in persistent prayer. And some of you walk through that season of persistent prayer where you've prayed for healings for healing a month ago 
six months ago, a year ago, maybe two years ago, but you're still ready to pray for healing today. And that is a good and right thing to do. But have you ever prayed for healing for someone and then not got the answer that you wanted? Jesus taught his disciples, didn't he? Number of times in the Gospels, Jesus taught his disciples, heal the sick, pray for those who are sick. And then there were times, like the story, I'm not asking you to turn to it now, but like that story in Mark 9, where Jesus' disciples failed in their attempts to heal the sick. And they're saying, why can't we do this? And they failed in it. Or, or what about the time when you think of that passage in, in Corinthians where, where Paul prays for healing from his thorn in the flesh and Paul is suffering and he's asking for healing and Jesus comes along and he says, no, no, no. <laughs> My grace is sufficient for you. Maybe there are moments when God does not heal, when we are urged to love Jesus, not just for His gifts of healing, but just for who He is. And will we love Him even when we do not experience that healing that we are asking for? C.S. Lewis, when he writes, he said, in a sense, is it not that every deathbed is an unanswered prayer? I remember vividly the day of my mom's funeral. It was a number of years back now, 14 years ago. And as we stood together, my aunt declared, there will be another day. There will be a day. Verse 21, isn't it? There will be a day. There will be a time that will come when God is going to restore everything as He has promised long ago through His holy prophets. It's beautiful, isn't it? He will set the world aright. That third blessing is nothing less than our future hope. And so, very early in the book of Acts, just after the ascension of Jesus into heaven, we wait for the next act. We're still waiting, aren't we? How exactly everything is going to unfold, we can say that there will be surprises, even for the smartest and the best of biblical scholars who have studied and studied the scriptures. So today now, and this year, our mission continues. Right now, may we have faith in Jesus' name. May we do everything that we do in the name of Jesus and receive every blessing of forgiveness and refreshment and restoration. Today, our mission continues. And as we leave this place, and as we look at each other, may we look at people and see them the way that God sees them.
May we offer those healing touches. Maybe it's a healing look of just saying, I acknowledge you as a person who is loved by Jesus. I know that you are a beloved child of God too, and I want to share that gift with you as I look at you today. May we be the conduits to share what we have. What do we have? We only have what's been given to us. And may we remember that whether the healing is for us or whether it's for others, it's all about healing in Jesus' name. Will you pray together with me? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you. We thank you that we've been able to sing praise songs today and to know that your name is is a strong and mighty tower. We've been able to sing that there is healing in the name of Jesus. And we believe that. We're not going to stop praying for the healing of our friends or those who ask us for prayer. Lord, we continue to be persistent to ask you. But every time we pray, we trust you because we know that you are wiser, smarter, stronger, and that you are above us. And we believe that you are so good to us today. Lord, thank you for this beautiful passage in Acts chapter 3. We thank you for this lame man that was healed. And we thank you that there is faith and healing in Jesus' name. Amen.